All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. And the people who get our attention and influence us are not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, uh, gang, this is someone I was just saying, uh, you know, it's been on a list for me for a while to talk to. Um, You know, we just, you know, share so many of the same beliefs about work and connection and um, and and, um, and and people. So um, this person is the CEO of Unmuted, uh, a training and development company. Uh, she's on a mission, and I love this mission, to humanize the workplace by igniting resilience, connection, engagement, and compassion uh, in organizations, leaders, and teams. Uh, she's been uh, recognized by the Daily Record in Maryland and was one of Maryland's top 10 uh, top 100 women of 2022. Uh, she's been featured in Forbes. Uh, she's gotten awards as uh, you know a health prof- a promotion professional in the U.S. by Wellness Council of America. And um, you know she's just uh, an amazing person who also, uh, if we can get her on, who knows, uh, is an amazing and amazing singer. And you'll find her on LinkedIn sometimes singing in her content. Please welcome none other than. Rachel Drunken Miller to the podcast. Welcome, Rachel. Hey, thank you. Yeah, stoked. We could maybe find a way to have a snippet of a song in here. We'll see what emerges. So we'll, s- <laughs> we'll see where the conversation goes, Rachel. Yeah. Um, you know, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. I say that you um, like just your mission is is very much connected to mine. While it's not uh, specifically in in, in sales, I, that's really my mission is bringing people on throughout the workforce who really develop like great connections with people and see people through this lens of human connection. And you're, you're certainly doing it in the, um, in the leadership space and in, in the, um, in the, in employee engagement arena. So excited to talk to you. Um, you know, I'm, t- I'm asking everyone at the beginning of these conversations, Rachel, when they hear this term, they see the title of the podcast, cause I titled it that way intentionally, cause you know, we're going to talk a lot of, a lot about stories today um, you know, and, and, um, your own personal story and, and, and stories of connecting. You have so many great ones that I'm going to, uh, drop, uh, in this spot, in this conversation. But when you hear the term, Rachel, sell by being human, what does that, you know, signify to you? What does that mean to you? Tell me what you think of when you think of that statement. To me, I feel like it's showing up with your essence, meaning to me, like, if you are alone in a room by yourself, who is the person? What is what are the essential attributes of who you are as a human being? You know, what are the what are the what are the values and strengths that you bring? And how can you leverage those in a way that provides value and meets a need or solves a problem for another person? Yeah. So that's what I would say. It's like your essence, these qualities, right? Whether for me it's like I've done the via have you done the via character strengths assessment? Um, I've done uh, Clifton Strengths Finders, so similar strengths assessments. Yeah. So I like the VIA one because it gives you, you know, a sense of they call it values in action or character strengths, and so some of mine are creativity and love of learning and curiosity and perspective and spirituality. So I'm naturally showing up with these elements of uh, essentially being a source. I'm hoping of, of of wisdom for people. A lot of those are under under the wisdom virtues, and so when I think about what it is to be human. It's thinking about, it's, it's really focusing on what are the, when you're at your best, what are the essential attributes of who you are at your best that emerge and how can you leverage those? Yeah. I think we don't, we, you know, and I, I do it too. You know, we don't pause enough to kind of, I like the word you used intentionally, like your essence, because, you know, people kind of think, oh, I know, you know, what I like and I know jobs that I like and, I know kind of, you know, people maybe that I like, but they don't do enough work to really understand like their souls, their, their characters, um, and then use that actually to show up in the world. And, 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 and you, you know, so eloquently talk about this framework of, I, I, I was watching a, uh, a, a speech you were giving on, you know, being and belonging and becoming and how, how, how really powerful that is like to, to understand like, 
you know, this road, this framework that you were going through of, 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 of who you want to be and, and, and how we're becoming and, and, and really, you know, using that to connect to people. Cause we're, you know, sometimes what, what, what roads we think we want to go down in life, like you were, um, you know, uh, may not be like really, um, like what your, you know, essence is. So can you talk a little bit about maybe how you've struggled to find that in your, in your life or kind of like how you've, how you've done work to, to really understand what that is for you? Yeah. So I'll offer two questions in a moment that everyone can like jot down for themselves and even, even like pause the podcast and do a moment of reflection and grab a pen and journal. So stay tuned. Um, that's called buying time. So for people, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That, then your te- that's a teaser. Let's go. Like if we're only a few months in. Yeah. We got to get people to keep listening, but I'm going to give them actionable things. You know, people walk away. I think what I do my, one of the things I focus on in my work is providing actionable inspiration because everyone can walk away from, you know, a conversation with a lot of people or a talk by a lot of people feeling inspired, but then there's the, now what, how is this relevant to me? So to your question, the way that I came about getting more deeply connected to who I am was, was through a journey of becoming very disconnected from who I was. So in 2017, I was the director of wellbeing for a national benefits consulting firm. And I was working really hard the year before I had been recognized, um, actually two years before I've been recognized as the number one health promotion professional in the United States. And, you know, I was carrying this, this mantle that I felt, well, every, they said I'm the best. So I have to keep being the best, which means being the best to me meant you have to have all the answers and you have to have the best answers and you have to have the right answers and you can't not know, and you can't need help and you can't be struggling. And it was just a narrative that I cared about what that meant to be quote the best. And eventually the weight of all of those expectations piled up on me and led to a dream of drowning in the fall of 2016. And then six months later, a diagnosis of Epstein-Barr virus, which is an acute form of mono um, in the winter of 2017. And I lost my voice for a period of time, which has happened before several times. I really bottomed out. I felt like I'd completely lost my spark. I wondered when I was going to feel myself again. And it was really scary. It was a really scary time, but it was also a deeply spiritual time in my life of of deep reflection. And as I was going through that experience, I I went through several, several aspects of that journey that helps me get more clarity. So one, there's a book I'd recommend called Immunity to Change, um, written by Bob Keegan and Lisa Leahy out of Harvard. Um, And I was working with someone who had been a mentor of mine. um, And her name is Rosie Ward. She'd been a mentor of mine since 2009. I discovered her early on in the wellness industry because I knew I wanted to do things differently. And so I'd latched onto her and then she was, she needed guinea pigs. And I said, I'm a willing guinea pig. And so she took me through this immunity to change process that was deeply introspective and reflective and and transformational. And then around that same time, I took the Gallup StrengthsFinder, um, Clifton Strengths Assessment. And probably within a year of that, I, I took the assessment of the VIA Character Strengths Assessment Um, and I started to combine the introspective insights I was gaining with what was being reflected back to me by these assessment tools I was taking to start to notice what were the themes. So for instance, uh, when I looked at, and to give myself language for what it is that is at the core of who I am. So in, in Clifton strengths, for instance, it was things like, you know, strategic achiever, uh, activator, ideation, um, significance. And so I looked at that and I'm like, I'm a catalyst, right? I started to understand the essence of who I was with somebody who was a catalyst. And I, a year after that, so the year of 2017 to 2018, very, very transformational. I met with a coach and here's the two questions. The two questions that she asked me about this, getting to the essence were what shows up when I do and what qualities do I bring into a room? That was the question. And she sat with me at a table outside of a Starbucks. She said, before she asked the questions, I want you to write down a list of like eight to 10 people. I like know you fairly well. So I wrote down the names. She gave me the question. She said, okay, um, who do you want to start with? I want you to call one of them right now. And I was like, oh, (laughs) this is so uncomfortable to do that. And she said, you cannot give them any context for what these questions are connected to or why you're calling. You just have to say, hey, I have two questions I want to ask you. And then you have to ask the questions. So I called, I think it was my friend Kara that I called first. And I remember one of the things she said that struck me as surprising, where she said, you show up with an excited energy and a calming presence. 
And I thought that was kind of a dichotomy, right? This excited energy, yeah. do you think someone's excited opposites. or not calming, right? They're opposites. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I never would think of myself as a calming person because I don't often feel calm inside. <laughs> but I did this with like 12 to 15 people over the next few weeks. And I started to draft a new narrative of myself. And I started to capture all of the words that they were saying. And I created a an essence worksheet that has three or four columns on it of words that people reflected back to me. And I just started to notice the consistency of what people were saying, things like disarming and real and authentic and enthusiastic and energizing and, um, you know, uh, warmth. They said things like warmth and inviting. I feel like I can be myself. Um, and, and so I, I just started to pay attention and I started to let those words kind of sink in. And that's really where it all started. Yeah. It's, it's such a great, simple framework. And I, I did something similar where, you know, I texted, you know, this isn't like therapy and stuff like mm -hmm. that, where you like text, you know, some close friends to, to ask them some questions, like what are words you, you know, uh, that you would use to describe me sort of things, like similar things, like what shows up when I do, I love that question. Um, and it's interesting because you may think you're some, like some of these things, but we can only give ourselves so much assessment, you know, right? Because we li are living in our own bodies where we don't see it from the outside. Um, we don't feel like how we are towards others. We don't, you know, we're, our, our, you know, our personalities and how we are, um, they certainly land on, on people different ways. So I, you know, it's, I, I, I can't say enough, like, when you know yourself that well from, you know, your perspective and you're kind of matching it up with the um, outside perspective, that gives you a whole lot of strength to really like yeah. be yourself and your true self and really get to, to a place where, you know, others like that's a superpower for you actually, because, you know, like then you're like honing in on those things that are themes mm -hmm. and, um, and people start going, wow, like I've never met anyone like Rachel, like actually, yeah. like I've met people similar, but Rachel is like on a, you know, is, is, is like kind of on your own gate, you know, doing her own thing over there. Like that's, that's awesome. And we all have that capability actually. Yes. Right. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about like, you know, I love that you kind of like have, have, you know, these are things that may some, some people, you know, we were talking earlier, maybe I, I my, a friend of mine calls this like the curse of knowledge. So, mm -hmm. you know, of when, you know, these things come naturally to you being, you know, really a calming presence and, but also having a, a lot of, you know, energy and balancing those two, two things or warmth or um, holding space for people, you know, curious to know, like maybe where you think, some of those things developed in your life, like people throughout your life that, you know, you saw at an early age that were just like great with people or people maybe at workplaces that you've had that you didn't realize at the time were just awesome connectors, great with people, but you didn't fully realize like the power of maybe what they were doing. But now maybe looking back, you can kind of see how they helped you. Who are people in your life that, you know, maybe, you know, helped develop some of these innate skills that you're, you have today? Well, one thing I'll say starting off is that I would not say that the essence of who I was for so much of my life, that any of these things necessarily emerged. I was mm -hmm. a very guarded version of myself for a lot of my life. I, I was very um, timid and I was quiet. I mean, I had a book called the introverts advantage in middle school for some context. <laughs> wow. Very ahead of your time. That's like a very trendy thing to, to talk about now, but wow, you knew yourself, uh, in seventh, seventh grade. Okay. I, well, I grew up like watching Oprah. My dad would watch Oprah when I was little and listen to Tony okay. Robbins, uh, Tony right. Robbins. Conference. So I grew up in like a weird, I mean, personal development was, uh, uh, a norm in your household. Nice. Okay. It was a norm. So, but for me, I, I just, I was very, I was very guarded. I didn't really feel comfortable in my own skin. I always had this sense. I'd say one thing that has been persistent is that I've always had a bit of, um, I've always had a bit of, um, inner quiet confidence. Like for instance, if everyone in the class was doing a thing, I was okay being the lone wolf. I wasn't fully okay because it meant that I would essentially be rejected from the tribe, <laughs> but I was okay because for me, it was more important that I aligned with what I believed was right 
whether or not it was what everybody else was on board with. So for instance, this, this will point to why I maybe was not the most popular kid in school. Um, in fifth grade, I, I was always, I was very, very studious. Like I was very much defined by how well I did in school. It was my safe place. It was a place where I had competence. I knew how to work school. I knew it from the time I started. And in fifth grade, we had been told by our teacher, we were going to have a quiz. And so <laughs> I studied because we were told we we're going to have a quiz and we got probably halfway through class and she hadn't said anything about the quiz. And I'm thinking to myself, I did not just waste my evening to not have a quiz. I am ready. So I raised my hand. 10 years old. And I said, Miss Fostel, weren't we supposed to have a quiz today? At which point you become the most hated person in the entire classroom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an example Shut up, of Rachel, most, we're right? Like most to. kids wouldn't do that, right? Most kids would not be socially dumb enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it was a matter of integrity. If she said we were going to have this thing, and I'm going to hold her to it, you know, or if somebody was passing a note in class, I went to Catholic school for 12 years in eighth grade, there were notes that were being passed and the liturgy teacher found it. And all of you are going to lose recess until someone comes forward about who did this. And I knew who did it. And so I wrote an anonymous note and I put it in the mailbox and I outed who did it because I was like, I am not getting in trouble for their foolishness. Um, and that doesn't always make you the most popular person, but I really, I was much more concerned with doing what I felt was the right thing to do, whether or not it made me popular. And I carry that with me into my career. I mean, I was talking about, I've been in the wellness industry since 2007, which is a pretty early onboard into an industry that's like now getting attention, you know, 16, whatever, 15 years later. And I, I rubbed some people the wrong way because I would challenge convention of what was done in the industry. And I said, if wellness has to be more than forcing people to walk 10,000 steps and get their blood pressure taken and report that they had a physical it's got to be so much more and tracking points to, to what end so that they can get $60 off their health insurance. This, that was not a popular conversation to have in the employee benefits industry, needless to say. But I, I believe so strongly that the way we were doing things was not right. And it was in a lot of ways undermining what the ultimate goal was, which was to help people be well. Instead, we were forcing them to jump through a bunch of hoops and never connected deeply to why they were struggling in the first place or how the workplace and structure of the workforce and managers and leaders were influencing why people were unwell. And, and we weren't talking enough about social, emotional, and mental health. And, and my own journey with burnout made that very apparent to me. And so, you know, when I, when I think about how this evolution has happened, I, I like to point out that just a reminder that we all evolve and that the way we have, like who we have become I was a shell of myself, truly. Like Claude said yesterday, being a shell of herself in the conversation we had, I was a very guarded, protected, I was nice. Like I look back on a sheet of paper I have from grade school that I kept where people wrote down one word to describe somebody. And it was you know, nice, wise, smart, friendly. Somebody wrote like one time, but it was mostly like I was the nice smart kid. <laughs> like that uh -huh. was the okay. depth with which people knew me. I was the nice, smart kid. And there's nothing wrong with being a nice, smart kid, but I've stepped out and become so much more. And I think a lot of that, I mean, part of it's my dad has been a tremendous influence on me. Um, again, introducing me to people like, because he watched Oprah and listened to, you know, Tony Robbins DVDs around the house and stuff or CDs. And I just always saw him. I've never known him to work for anybody but himself. And so I saw him going after things and he's an Ironman triathlete. He's training for his seventh race what? in Lake Placid this summer. He'll be 72. Uh, right. Uh -huh. He's a fascinating dude. So he's somebody who tremendously influenced me. A lot of my teachers did. So Miss Schriefer was my math teacher several years in grade school. And she, talk about warmth. And she, her smile lit up the room. She had this warmth and kindness that made me feel safe and accepted. She celebrated people. I felt so seen by her. And, you know, I struggled to fit in with my peers for obvious reasons that I've alluded to earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and my teachers, so many of them were just safe people for me, um, yeah. that really saw goodness, you know? Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, I, 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 I would like to like, uh, talk about like how you, you know, kind of deployed some of these skills, like in wellness, uh, when you're talking with like, uh, you know, in, internally at work and, and trying to help them reframe this, this you know, kind of whole industry, because, you know, like you said, you were kind of going to this outcome of keeping people, you know, making people well and stuff like that. Um, and, and we were just 
you know, insurance, maybe it was just concerned about like little things that they can do to help, you know, kind of save money and sort of things. So, um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about maybe like, you know, how you maybe use some of these, you know, innate qualities or skills, like whether they were, you know, kind of, uh, connecting to people to kind of like get your ideas, um, put to the forefront or um, situations where maybe these things maybe served you well with people that, you know, really weren't trying to, to hear you uh, when, when you were bringing this things, these things up? Well, I will say I, I had many days of frustration. So I'll caveat like, first and foremost, I had moments where I'd be like, sometimes you can't be, what do they say? You can't be a prophet in your own village. And sometimes, sometimes that's true. Um, but at the same time, what I started to do, I did a couple of different things. One is I started to vulnerably share my own story. And so I went through a bunch of health challenges throughout my younger years, ear, nose, and throat infections, half dozen surgeries. By the time I was 16, I had like a 60% hearing loss in my left ear still. Um, I had acid reflux for a decade and took medication for that. I became clinically malnourished at one point. Um, I had a lot of different things that were going on physically. And so I started writing a blog. In 2014, I had a blog. I started called Rachel's Nourishing Kitchen. <laughs> And I, I started sharing what I was learning. And that was kind of the, the beginning of me sharing my story and sharing the insights I was learning and, and even sharing my story of, you know, gaining weight back after I'd lost it to an unhealthy amount. And my after story was like me with weight back on, which as the wellness person, I was getting praised for having lost weight. No one said, you look so great. Once I started gaining it back, right. I had somebody say, I didn't even recognize her. That's that hurts. Um, so that was part of it was I just started sharing my own journey and experience. Cause what I found is that people want somebody they can relate to, not somebody they can put on a pedestal. You know, they want somebody that they can see themselves in. And I had somebody, a coworker one time asked me <laughs> before I was really becoming more vulnerable. She said, Rachel, do you ever just want a cheesesteak? Like just <laughs> let me know that my desires are human, you know, and let me know that that I'm like you. That's what people want to connect with people that they see some part of themselves in. Totally. Yeah. And for so long, I thought the wellness person had to be somebody who just did everything perfectly and was the ideal specimen of somebody who takes care of all of the things in their life. And then I crashed and burned and got burnout and everything fell apart. And I was like, well, that wasn't working. What if I were to just be honest about these inherent struggles we have about not being enough that so many of us feel like we're not good enough or we're not smart enough or we're not qualified enough or we're not ready enough. We don't have enough credentials or letters behind our names or we don't have enough experience. Or we're too young or we're too old. And I just started to notice that people, everybody had these insecurities and doubts. And I was just finally able to give voice to it. And I even got some flack from a leader at our company who was, I remember talking to a coworker of mine saying, when I started to write about burnout, that she's a wellness person. Why is she writing about burnout? I thought to myself, this is a rhetorical question because I feel like if anyone's going to write about this, it would be somebody who has a background of like a bachelor's in psychology and a master's degree in health science. I'm a health coach and I've been doing this work at that point for 10 years and I still burned out. Like if I have all those, that knowledge and all those, wow. yeah. that training and I still can't cut it, my goodness, everyone else is probably struggling too. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you know, that like it, you, you told a powerful story in one of your, your speeches that I saw. There's so many, like, I, I'm going to, you know, cite a couple things that I heard. Okay. From your, yeah. one of your speeches, but you know, in that you gave this really vulnerable story, how, even when you were doing that, even at the time when you're sharing yourself, you're being vulnerable. On the other hand, you're like really working hard. You're like trying you're being the perfectionist. You're like, you know, like getting these awards, you know, wellness awards and like, had to do things a certain way and, you know, maybe rub people the wrong way, you know, uh, in the workplace. Cause you were like maybe demanding, but even though on the other side, you were also kind of sharing yourself, but then at this point you, you know, I don't know, felt the burnout and I don't know kind of what clicked, what was the change that really made you feel like, huh? Like I need to really open up to the side. Cause you, you, you cite the story where you brought someone in that you were not really, you know, you were very disconnected with and, um, you know, just, to say, like, just pausing and saying, you know, I'm sorry, you know, and, and you uh, said to her, like, I'm, I'm sorry for making your job harder. I, I'm sorry for, you know, kind of, um, you know, like uh, focusing on me. I'm sorry for being defensive. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just sorry. Like, and I don't want to live 
that life anymore. I just want to say, I'm sorry. And, and then she reflected back to you, this vulnerable thing about, you know, saying, I don't, I, I, one thing I've learned in life is like, no one, everyone's figuring it out. Right. Or no one knows the answers or they're, they're scared of being found out. Yeah. You know, I didn't go to college and sort of, thing. you had this really strong and, and, you know, you were able to feel like, you know, you saw each other. So can you talk a little bit about like, maybe what made you, th- you go from being so on at work and being, you know, having a process and then, you know, realizing maybe I'm not seeing the full picture here in terms of how I can be connecting with my teams. Maybe what yeah. made that shift for you and, and, and feel free to talk, tell the story. Cause I'm just, you, you know, repeating it. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, you told it great. I think a lot of times, so everyone has a vice, right? Everyone has a vice. If I were to look at from a virtue standpoint, the vice for me is pride. And so mm. and it's as a vice for a lot of people, that sense of, you know, never wanting to be found out, never wanting to be knocked down a peg, always wanting to be perceived as impressive, wanting to be perceived as um, admirable. You know, that was something that that started with me in school as I wanted to, I was a straight A student, you know what I mean? And I wanted to be a straight A career person or whatever the heck that means. And so I carried that pressure with me. And so into the workplace and then after I burned out, you know, I went through this journey of being really sick from like December of 2016, jogged lightly for the first time in late July, early August, 2017. Like I was so depleted. I couldn't even really exercise and I was reading a book called In Everyone Culture. Mm. It's called In Everyone Culture. And one of the stories in the book was about how there was this executive and she was um, voted onto some leadership team. And then she was, she was really arrogant and she was voted off this leadership team. And it was this moment of, of humility and, 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 and frankly, probably a bit of shame and humiliation to be in this position where you're lauded and then to be kind of like removed from that role. And so I felt I had done that to myself. I felt that I had put myself in this position of being in, you know, admirable in the eyes of everyone. And then I had just, what happens when we burn out is we tend to isolate and we tend to go inside as opposed to opening up. And so the more scared I got, the more isolated I got, the more I thought I was going to get found out, the more isolated I got, I ghosted people. I wouldn't respond to emails. I mean, not productive, like not a good team player. And I was reading that book. I thought to myself, I think I need to have some reconciliation moments with a few people that I have let down. And I got into work that day and I remember I asked, you know, my spirit, my faith is really important to me. And I just sat there and I was like, all right, who do I need to talk to first? And the first name of the person who came up was literally the last person I really wanted to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can it be, let me try again. Uh, I was like, let me like rub the lamp again. Can it be somebody else, please? <laughs> the eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like not that name. And so I went in, I said, Hey, do you have a moment? And I sat across from her at her desk and I said that, I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for the way that I've shown up for, I haven't been responsive. I haven't been easy to work with. Um, you know, I'm really sorry. And this is what happened. And I, 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 and I, I was so afraid of people seeing me as somehow less than in any way, or people seeing me as incompetent in some way that I just kind of, you know, in Brene Brown's terms, I just kind of armored up and, as a result, I, I really created distance between other people, including you. And I'm really sorry that I did that and put you in any situation where you had to have an uncomfortable interaction with a client because of what I was doing, you know, I'm really sorry. And then, you know, she opened up and shared her own insecurities and she said, I'm just counting down the days till someone realizes I don't belong in this seat. And I'm just counting down the days of retirement before someone like, is like, Ooh, she shouldn't be in that role. You're out. And I think, and this was a position in somebody in a high position of leadership. And, and she said, you know, the more I, the more I talk to people, the more I realize we, we all, we're all afraid of the same thing of like being found out as not enough in some way. That's really at the core of what it is. And, and so it was a moment of connection. We were both crying. We hugged at the end. And, um, you know, I said, I know this might take time to build up trust again. And I, you know, I'm here for it. And, and it was just experiences like that help you build genuine trust and connection with people to be willing to, and it sucked. Like I did not enjoy really doing that, frankly, initially. But once I was in it and I started to feel connected to her because we were both being vulnerable, I have no regrets from doing that. I mean, and I think all of us could think of somebody, whether personally or professionally, I think all of us could think of somebody that you're like, mm, yeah, I could probably have one of those conversations sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like, you know, this is going to, and we'll get into kind of like your, your business in a little bit, but like, I feel like this is going into just the, like the title of my podcast is really kind of about like how just doing these things, being human, doing these things that all of us have the capability inside of us to be like having vulnerability and, and seeing someone and realizing like people just want to be around. Like you said earlier, people just want people to, you know, that they can relate to not put on a pedestal. That is what really like gets people to like go past that's that that layer right like that mm-hmm. conversation may have never even happened in, in that person's career with anyone had you not initiated it and like gone through that hard I mean it, it, that would be incredibly hard for me and I what I want to ask from you is like why do you think that because I feel like this is so prevalent like I have co-workers I've even felt this way at times like why do you feel like offering up like this kind of like maybe critique on yourself or maybe showing a weakness uh, that you have. And we can de- define if that's a weakness or strength. I, I think I think it's pretty strong what you did, but it, it is a, a perceived weakness that like, Hey, I made a mistake. I was wrong. Um, and, you know, kind of maybe um, like, I'm, uh, you know, I, I like, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Why do you think that like showing that, side of yourself is actually not what you think of as a weakness, but as a, as a true strength, because as, as Claude said yesterday too, she said, you know, we just need to be real with yeah. each other. That's, that's what we're looking for. And as we go back to the workplace, people that are real. You know, I think I heard it. I forget who said this. So apologies. Some I may botch it a little bit, but once heard that, you know, relationships move at the speed of vulnerability and the extent to which we're willing to be vulnerable. And this is from somebody who felt very disconnected. I felt very unknown by many people, pretty much except for my dad growing up. And it was a very lonely place to be. I was more isolated than I need to be for so much of my life. I did way more than I needed to do alone, emotionally and otherwise. And for me, I think, I think that it's exhausting to be in the role of having to impress if you come from this place, if you come from this place, instead of nothing to prove, nothing to lose, then you feel, okay, well, this is just a conversation. And I find that, that, and we know this, right? You know, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's work. And, um, you know, I know one of the things that she, she talks about a lot is, you know, when we're, when we are willing to be courageous and we're willing to take off our armor, like drop our armor, the things that we're using to guard ourselves, protect ourselves from other people, from judgment, from whatever, that the natural human response to that for most people, not everybody, if someone's like a total blatant raging narcissist and they're not willing to ever look at themselves, you may not have a breakthrough with them, but that's not on you. That's on them. If someone is open, even somewhat, I find that initiating that is so courageous and it's just so freeing. Cause then, then you're just being your, you're being yourself. And if someone rejects you for yourself, well, at least you know that, Hey, now I've shown up fully who I am. I haven't shown up with some facade of who I am. Because if someone is really accepting the facade of who you are, they're not really accepting you. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always thought like, and I, I love anything that she writes. We're big. I saw you were, you know, big fans of her book, Atlas of the Heart. So I could, you know, cite that for, for, for days. Um, but, you know, you, you know, there was this piece where she was talking about the difference of fitting in and belonging mm-hmm. and saying things, something like, you know, it's, it's, like belonging kids, even like signs. What do you think belonging or fitting in or or something? It's like belonging somewhere you want to be and they want you, but fitting in is somewhere you want to be, but they don't care one way or another. Like you said, it's just a facade. It's just a conversation. It's like, you want people to like, really like, you know, want to be, you know, there for you because of, of you being able to, to share yourself. I feel like so much of the time we're in our own heads, like saying, okay, we can't, show mistakes. We, we, we will be seen as incompetent. Um, but, um, you know, that perfectionism or fitting in the perfectionism is, is is a type of fitting in, you know, and that's certainly, certainly, I mean, if we think perfectionism, like we're fitting into who, who do we have to be perfect for and what does perfect mean? We're being perfect for a boss or our CEOs or our customers or something like that. And that's, not authentic. That's just being, like you said, a facade. Um, and, um, you know, that's what I think of when you, when you said those things. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally, I feel like the, I feel like I, 
a little part of me wanted to fit in growing up, but you know, I went to Catholic school, was not Catholic. So I was inherently did not <laughs> necessarily fit into that tribe, but I really struggled for much of my life with a sense of feeling like I belonged anywhere. Um, and I would say it wasn't until that burnout journey was something that made me realize how much I want and needed to consistently be in relationship with other people, which I was not. And now for the past four and a half, five years, I've been in a text chain with a group of, there's six of us, of, of, of girls that I met through church. Then some of them still go there. Some of them don't, some have moved, but it's just every day there's, whether it's sharing a Wordle score or saying, <laughs> Hey, my kid's sick. Can you just like pray for us? Or I've got this thing at work that I'm really nervous about and sending somebody encouragement or recognizing a birthday. And, you know, we've gone on like trips together. And that was just something I never prioritized in my life at all, because I, I had a sense of um, almost like kind of aversion toward being in groups of people because I just never felt like they were safe places for me um, growing mm -hmm. up. And so it's, it's really been in the past five years of my life yeah. that I've, that I've truly, I've, I have friends from prior to that, of course, that are very dear friends, but in terms of as a collective, as a group of, of letting people into my stuff and sharing when I was struggling and receiving their help and receiving their support instead of pushing them away, I've learned so much about how to do that. And it's really served me well, especially given some of the challenges I've gone through in the past two years. So cool. I'd like to kind of end off with like kind of pivoting around, um, you know, how you can use these things uh, in the context of connecting with others, you know, maybe selling yourself, uh, selling your business, selling what you have, realizing that we all have this capability innate with us. And all of these, these skills are being used by professional um, you know, people that are doing it in sales, business owners, and they're, you know, frankly, anyone, um, you know, because you do, you share yourself. Like, I feel like people are connected to you, you know, your content on LinkedIn and, and you get, you know, so much great influence there by just, you know, you sharing stories of really traumatic things that have happened in your life, like accidents that have happened to you and, um, you know, like stories throughout your career, um, and so, yeah, I mean, we were, we were chatting, you know, earlier about like, you know, things people can think about when they're like, they're, they're scared to, you know, maybe, um, you know, kind of like sell something that maybe benefits them. And like, how do you kind of view, um, like when you are, you know, building your brand or selling your business or how, what is your approach? Like, you know, when you're kind of doing all the things that we talked about, um, you know, kind of, you know, in a simple form, what, what is, what is kind of, uh, Rachel's approach to kind of, um, growing the, all the brand that is Rachel and your, your, your company. I mean, it's funny. I had somebody asked me on LinkedIn, they sent me a message. They said, how'd you get into keynote speaking? And how did you start building your brand? And I'm, <laughs> funny, I'm like, I wasn't thinking about like building my brand. I just thought about, it's like becoming yeah. more and more of who I really was at my core. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's what to me, truly building a brand is, it's becoming more and more of what you truly are at your core in a way that meets a need, um, for somebody else. And so for me, it was, it was, I, I pursued what my dad calls very interest driven work. And so I started to, you know, I, I became interested in, in, in health and, and food and nutrition and how we could use that for healing. And then I said, I write a food blog and then I'm going to get trained in this. I'm going to teach people how to do it. And then I burned out. And then I said, let me dig into this. How do, how, how does this even happen in the first place? And what can we do to get ourselves out of a state of burnout? How can we prevent it in the first place? And I like dug into that. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and I was already talking about burnout, but it, tangential to burnout is resilience really. And then, you know, six weeks later, I got hit by a pickup truck and fractured my back. So that was like another journey of literally getting knocked down, rising back up. And so I take these things that hap happened to me, quote, happened to me. And I believe inherently, and this is part of my wiring of focusing on spirituality, curiosity, and creativity as some of my core strengths and values. I am inherently a meaning maker and human beings are inherently meaning makers, but I'm like, I do it like on a daily basis. I'm making meaning. I have an experience, right? And people ask, how do you come up with such good content on LinkedIn? I'm like, I just pay a lot of attention to what's going on around me. And I think about it and I reflect on it and I connect it to something I'm going through or that other people might be going through. And so when I think about the connection back to how we started this conversation around like the essence words, I started to notice when I have an intake form that I use when people you know, it's like book Rachel and tell me about your event. And, you know, what are you hoping to accomplish by bringing Rachel in? 
And so I started to notice I had probably 120 responses from people. And I started to notice and look through and mine that list. What are the reasons people are bringing me in? And there were consistently words that stood out. And it was, we want people to motivate. We want people to energize. We want people to engage our, our employees. We want to foster connection. Um, people are struggling. We need to give them a lift. And so I started to look at that and then using people's own language. And all of us can do this of looking back at emails you've received from people or conversations you've had with people, you know, what do people thank you for most often? And just start to notice that and use that as sort of how you approach what you do. So when somebody asks me now, like, how, what's the best way to bring you in? I say, hey, if you know somebody, organization that genuinely cares about their people and they're struggling, that to motivate them and energize them, engage them and connect them in really meaningful, deep and meaningful ways, I can help them do that. And so then I have clarity around that. And those are reflections of the essence of, 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 of who I am, you know? And so I, I connect those things back and then it's not me selling. It's me thinking about when I show up, how can I be relevant? I think too many people don't think about this. They're like, I have my shtick. Here's what I do. Let me tell you what I do. No one cares. No offense. <laughs> and people, you know, just need to like, like me for me and like, like, you know, like what you get is yeah. the, is the kind of philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Take what you offer. can get and like me. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Here's what it is. I'm not going to be. And so what, what I always done is I, I pivot constantly. I'm like, how can I be relevant? What are people struggling with navigating the next normal? I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to help them understand how the brain navigates change and invite them into reflections of their own, of how they've gone through changes in the past that were unwanted and unexpected that led to something good and get them thinking and connecting and sharing and reflecting. And I've done this over close to at this point, 300 times virtually in the past two years. And so I've really heard from a lot of people and heard a lot of stories and noticed a lot of themes come out of it. And people are just, they're craving connection over content. And so when I think about what I'm doing, I'm, I'm fostering spaces where people can connect in meaningful ways with themselves and each other. And so it's not me selling myself. It's me selling something that I already have noticed that people need because they're telling me this is what we need. And then I go back and I say, oh, okay, here's how I can meet your need. Here's what it looks like. And then, you know, my dad always says, if you're selling something, people have to buy. If you're just selling, 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 people have to buy. But if you're just, if you're offering something, right? if you're offering something and you're not pushing it at them, mm. you just say, hey, here's a need I see that you have. You reached out to me. Here's how I can meet that need. How might we partner together to make that happen? Oh gosh, it feels so much more human to your point and not transactional um, because you're being relevant, you're providing value, you're being timely in how you're doing it. And you're bringing what so many people, like for me, when I think of what I'm bringing, what so many people need right now is they just, they need a burst of hope and a burst of energy and a reminder of the power of connectedness. And that's what I, that's what I do. And so I've gotten because I pay attention and I look at what comes through and I read feedback and I I'll read testimonials people write and I just start to pull out what are the themes that I consistently hear and how can I use those to spin back out to communicate the impact and value of what I do. Yeah. That's, I, I, you know, it's, I've had, um, you know, just so you know, kind of like I'm trying, I'm contrasting what, what, you know, people like yourself do and, you know, sales trainers or just professional sellers and, so many of the same themes uh, of what you just said open up, you know, people that simplify it down is like, we're thinking too much about frameworks and personas or people that we sell to instead of people. And what, you know, at the essence, we're just trying to, you know, understand at a deep level what people want and need and help them go get that thing that they want or need. And, and um, you know, and, and you're, you know, not really losing yourself or losing who you are. You're really connected to like, again, you got into this work because you were like, oh, I see things around me that I'm really interest me. And your dad even said uh, your interest based work that fuels you. It's not like money or a lifestyle or, a you know, recognition or whatever. It's like, oh, you know, I dealt with this personally. You gave personal stories. You're like, this affected me. I have some buy-in into it. I'm I, I have been you yes, <laughs> at <yes>. work. <laughs> yes. I have seen <laughs> what you are doing. And, but now I'm listening because what you're going through is not my situation, but it was very similar. And I'm so open to knowing like individual and I'm really, the curiosity has been a theme of all, you know, so many of my guests and like, you know, I just, I see that, like, I, I go down one path in the pandemic, let me another. And then <laughs> I, you know, I see these themes and I'm, I'm using my, my own clients or my own, um, you know, customer examples as, as direction to then, you know, kind of hone what I'm talking about and 
then you're not like talking at someone or pushing something on someone. You're, you're truly talking with them and having a conversation um, amongst, uh, I would say, your, your um, audience. You know, you're just another person in the audience that might be leading your community and, 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 and curating it for people, but you're, you're one of them you know, yeah. essentially. And I, I, what I see as a, as a true power of you, I don't know what your thoughts are on, on that kind of a framework. Yeah. hundred percent. People want to know that they, they, I was listening to one of your other recent conversations, right. Where you're talking about, you know, people buy from people that they think like them, you yeah. know? And so it's yes. like yeah. be friendly and be warm to people. It's not really that yeah. hard. And so when you show yeah. up with that, even Monday, I had a call the prospect and I showed up with a lot of energy. I had I had just got off the, the live stream with Claude and I was just in a really great mood and had gotten finished my voice lessons. I had voice lessons that afternoon and and I was feeling really good. And so we got on the call and they're enthusiastic and I'm feeding their enthusiasm and they're and we get to the end of it and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. We haven't even like signed the contract yet, but they're like, I'm so excited. And then I it's a bureau, a speaker's bureau I'm working with and they message me and they're like, you feel the energy through the screen. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what I'm showing up with. I view all of these things as auditions. I don't think I'm entitled to any of this stuff. You know, I have to prove myself every time. Um, but I'm going to prove myself as me being who I am at my, at my core in my essence. And then if people buy that, well then gosh, it's easy. Yeah. So true. You know, so true. Um, well, Rachel, we're kind of coming down. I ask people this fun question because I don't, that what you just said is kind of the, the essence of this last question. Cause I do feel like when people can know each other, be real with each other, they have this, like, they really, like, they, we all have these unique things about each other that, you know, um, really connect us. And when we can bring more of that to the forefront, I feel like people then start, you know, our energy really starts like um, coming through and people tell us more things than they might not have told someone that wouldn't have had been that energetic around them. So, um, maybe here's where you said you were getting voice lessons, Rachel. So, you know, Rachel, you said, I, I ask people when, when I ask uh, people this question, it is, um, what is something, if I asked your husband, your family, like something about Rachel, that is just so totally Rachel, something that just, you know, could only, or would only happen to you, you know, what, um, what seems to come to mind for you when I say that, that's just like, so totally you, like, what is, what, what, what would they tell me? Is, oh man, not a softball. Um, what, yeah. <laughs> what is so totally me? I mean, I want to be thoughtful in my response. I'm going to pause for a moment. Um, and while you're thinking this has happened to many of my guests, I just, you know, try to bring out like stories that they normally wouldn't tell in a podcast, like something that's like, oh my gosh, that thing okay. that happened. Here. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of Rachel so much. Cause that, that, that's only her. That's, that's totally her. <laughs> Um, you know, I think of something that happened this fall, I mean, this summer, past summer, my husband and I celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank yeah. you. And, um, I think one of the things people really know and see about me is that, that they would say I'm, uh, courageous and tenacious. And it comes out in forms like my husband and I, we did not write our own vows for our wedding when we got married because he was like, no, that's not happening. I would have been like, okay, I can try You know, I, Dude, yeah. I wasn't speaking for a living yet, but I felt comfortable enough. And he's a school teacher, um, Fizette, So he's used to just like playing with kids all day, you know, and, uh, and we wrote our own vows. So the fact that no one would be surprised to be like, oh, of course you did. I did we did a vow renewal ceremony. We had a dance party of nineties, hip hop, jock jams playlist, early 2000, like yes. my jam. I love yeah. a good dance party. <laughs> Um, and a good line dance. They would know that if a line dance song comes on that Rachel, I love, I'm a keep it shuffle, give it to me, whatever. Uh -oh. Wobble, uh -oh. like, just, <laughs> I get, I get, I get exponentially Wobble excited. with me, wobble with me. All right, let's go. <laughs> like when those things happen, I get really excited. So just the intentionality and, and I guess thoughtfulness that I put into things that I'm very thoughtful and intentional with, with how I show up. So whether that's a gift I give somebody that's like really, really personalized to them or whether it's, um, you know, writing my own vows and exchanging them in front of 40 friends and family with my husband 10 years into our marriage um, and making jokes and making each other laugh and, you know, just showing up with that degree of intentionality and um, thoughtfulness and also that spin of 
I'd say playfulness when it comes to music. So those, I guess that's a long answer, but that's what I would say. I love it. I love it. So staying on the topic of music, like when you uh-huh. do your presentations, what is like a, a good quote, a you know, favorite quote from a song, something inspirational that people like as they end off this, this podcast, they can take with them, hold with them, re- rewind and, and, you know, take, you know, uh, receive from you? What, what is something that comes to mind from you? I mean, I can give like a one minute snippet of a song I would sing if you want me to. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. People okay. love, you know, I, <laughs> this is a gift uh, to my audience for sure from one of the, the, the best uh, LinkedIn content influencers and singers that I know. <laughs> oh, thanks. And I will say, by the way, people watching my singing videos has gotten me business. People they don't even know what I do. They don't even know that I speak. They see a singing Crazy. video. You're like, I wasn't message. even making it for that. I was just making it for myself because I just wanted to release this. And you're like, score. That's, you know, okay. If that's selling, I'll take it. Yeah. Like me being myself. So here, it's a song that I feel like captures the essence of what we're talking about in terms of connection. And it's a snippet. I'm not seeing the whole thing. A snippet of it. It's a song that everybody knows so they can sing along from home if they want. So here we go. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain, we all have sorrow, but if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow, lean on me. When you're not strong and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. We all need somebody to lean on. (laughs) Going to church. (laughs) Woo! I mean, if you're listening to this and you're not like just chills and clapping, I don't, I don't, I don't know who you, you're not. We're not friends anymore. You don't have to subscribe to our podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm, uh, you know, you hit me, you know, you got me for my afternoon, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, from the bottom of my heart. Um, and, um, you know, where can people find you like find more singing? Where, where, where can people keep, you know, learning the, the best of Rachel and, and see some more things that you do? Uh, LinkedIn and it's Rachel Druckenmiller, D-R-U-C-K. I usually get, I think it's spelled D-R-U-N-K, D-R-U-C-K and Miller, uh, E-N-M-I-L-L-E-R. And then my website is unmutedlife.com. So I've got blog posts on there. Podcast, this podcast episode will be shared on there. Just more about the work that I do and how I would support organizations, leaders, teams, conferences, all that with keynotes and workshops and trainings. And then I'm evolving. I'm starting to build on my YouTube channel, which has basically been neglected. So if you just search Rachel Druckenmiller, you'll find me on YouTube. And then last but not least, you can find me on Instagram at Unmuted Life. So good, Rachel. I'm so glad you got unmuted with me today. (laughs) And at the very end, that surprise did not expect that coming. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure as always to talk to you. Hope to, to talk again. Thank you. Hey gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.